You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Welcome to the Sacred Collective, where we have honest conversation and no judgment. Discuss theology and current events in an open and thoughtful setting. Say things that you are too afraid to say in church. We welcome your beliefs. We welcome your ideas. Join us. Find us online at ScreamingPods.com, on iTunes at The Sacred Collective, on Twitter, Sacred underscore MN, and on Facebook, Sacred Collective Twin Cities. Welcome to The Sacred Collective. We're back at it again after a couple weeks. Um, Before we do roll call, we're going to talk about uh, Christian... Christianity and Anarchy, and Curtis is going to lead us in that really good conversation. But before we start, let's do roll call. I'll start. I'm Brian. Amanda. Curtis. Eric. Kayleen. Caleb. Hannah. So yeah, uh, I chose the topic tonight of Christianity and Anarchy. Uh, A lot of us grew up as evangelicals or within the evangelical tradition, and in that sort of atmosphere, there's a lot of people that are either Republicans or conservatives, and the trend that I've noticed, uh, well, I should quickly say, there is a long-established liberal church that's got leftist sort of politics. Uh, More recently, uh, you can kind of plug into that sort of scene with the Sojourners magazine, which I think uh, Jim Wallace is Mm -hmm. the name of the guy that does that. Uh, so if that's something of interest to you, you can look that up. But the question I had in my head uh, trying to think of a topic tonight was related to why is it that when people leave the church or uh, or if they become a leftist person, uh, sometimes they end up leaving the church, or if they leave the church, they become leftist. Why is it that there's often not uh, people going towards the anarchy realm instead of the leftist politics realm uh and i also was interested in just bringing up the topic of hierarchy within the church because anarchy is uh kind of contrasts itself to monarchies so instead of having a monarchy mon being one an is a prefix that means none at all so there's no archy or no hierarchy and so why is it that within the church there's often not a uh, intentional movement to make it be more anarchistic rather than more of a hierarchical uh, pyramid-shaped uh, hierarchy structure? Obviously, in the Catholic Church, we have uh, the Pope, which is supposed to be the uh, representation of God on earth, and there's only one at a time. Uh, and that sort of mentality of one God, one church, one Pope, often throughout history has been tr- translated to prop up kings. So one king uh, in the same vein as th- there being one God, one Pope. Uh, so that's kind of what I wanted to say to start it off. And uh, if anyone wants to jump in on any of these themes, please do so. I just have a question for clarification and please. for people who will listen. Um, do you have... A working definition of what you would say anarchy is? Yeah, so in essence it is not having a government in the uh, let's see, so in, oftentimes people think of anarchy 
in terms of just chaos, like no sort of rules, very little organization. Uh, so my thought of what an anarchist is, and I think this is well established, is something that there are a lot of small units that all collaborate together in a non-hierarchical way to make decisions, and then those units then can decide if they want you to federate with other units. So these could be broken up in uh, within like the workplace where so we have things that are kind of similar right now where we have unions mm -hmm. but those are always contrasted with the owner. Right. So in an anarchist system it I think be that you have the workers are the owners or in a political sense uh, the people that uh, well we have precincts right now in the United States so very small local units but those are always uh, used to prop up the large political parties. And instead, anarchy, I think, would probably utilize some local governance where there's a bunch of people that live in an area. They all get together and make decisions for that area on their own terms and then federate with other local units. When well. I was going to even say that could anarchy, when you're describing that, could be like, so in this neighborhood where we live, mm -hmm. could our neighborhood get together in, in this kind of, and I don't even know the right term, uh, with anarchy, and do that? Would that work? So you could, and instead of a precinct, be more like this six block radius where, you know, we're all on the same page, we want to do this, be in our own governance. So that would work within kind of the idea of anarchy? Uh, yeah, as long as you're not trying to... Uh, well, I, I guess it depends, because right now we are, have a government system, and if you guys try to do something counter to that, then they probably would come in and say, hey, that's our territory. Stop yeah. Stop doing that. Stop probably fixing the roads instead of... Or sued or something. <laughs> yeah. Are you in effect, but, though? Aren't you kind of, in Brian's scenario... Aren't you just kind of um, establishing a smaller government? Because you didn't use the term governance, like governing yourself. But like in effect, I'm just I'm just asking Chris because obviously oh, yeah. you're more knowledgeable than I am. But inevitably, won't a new government in effect rise up? I know it's decentralized, but like wouldn't a, a, like a local government essentially rise up then? Yeah, in essence, it's murky because people have preconditions in their head as to what the word government means. Right. But as far as it being, like, trying to figure out how we all live together in a way that's sane, mm -hmm. then there likely would be an anarchist type of government. Okay. But government, or anarchism also is very an respectful. type of government. That's interesting. Yeah. That phrase. Because uh, it's just a matter of figuring out how to go along and get along with everybody else. Uh -huh. so you have to communicate. You have to make some sort of rules. Right. Uh, another big aspect of anarchy is sort of a live and let live thing. Yeah. So forcing other people uh, to join mm. your anarchist collective or local area, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not really in, in the vein of things. There's a big um, push towards volunteerism, or sorry, voluntarism, I think is the yeah, word. Yeah, I get uh, it. Yeah. So it's in essence, most government right now makes laws and they're enforced by violence. Or they're by the use of right. force, the threat of Some getting put threat, in a cage yeah. or being hurt. And so that's not anarchy. Uh, I know that anarchy and governance and government can all be kind of murky terms, but uh, I guess my definition here is uh -huh. that it doesn't use 
force, no coercion, and there isn't this uh, hierarchy structure that's you know unnecessary. Obviously, there's going to be some sort of hierarchy because the guy that's the best at sound uh-huh. is probably going to make more of the sound decisions. Uh-huh. So kind of by merit, there's just natural hierarchies right. that form. Uh-huh. Sure, sure. And we, we're not saying we're going to change the dynamics of social constructs yeah. to get rid of that. But it's just a matter of, you know, uh, in a group, say, of this sort, we could decide, like, we're all going to take a... Or we're going to talk together, like, maybe, and decide together, we don't want you doing sound anymore, Caleb. Yeah. Whoa, yeah, I did not come up with that. So that's, why, <laughs> that's why you brought me here today. No, <laughs> yeah, to it's not intervention. To build up that was no, I'm, to, to kind of kind of, kind of try to address one of your questions because I'm, I'm gl- thanks for establishing what it was and sure. and your definition of it. But like, uh, so yeah, to, uh, yeah, you asked a lot of really good questions with your intro there, and I'm just trying to kind of sort through them. Um, but I think it's a good observation that I mean, it's a no brainer, but it's something worth parsing and, and figuring out why it's going on. That uh, you know, cons- conservatism is so, like you said, closely. Interwoven with evangelical, evangelicalism. Yes. And um, but so are you asking how come it's not logical to people to leave evangelicalism for anarchism? Like, is is it too on the nose? Is it too obvious to say, well, it's a it's a social structure? Like, we're told that it's A or B. You know, that it's a, a dichotomy. We have we have right wing and left wing. Yeah, I but then you're saying maybe true. it's more logical from the teachings of Christ to be an anarchist. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's definitely something I would say makes sense. That whether you're a post-Christian right now, whether you're a liberal Christian or just a, a good old conservative evangelical Christian, you might have conservative uh, listeners. You, maybe <laughs> if you read the Bible, uh, I don't see why. Uh, these people, there's not more of them that are anarchists. Okay. Part of the big reasons are the Bible says you shouldn't kill, and governments kill all the time. Or, you know, I don't think it's Christian to put someone in a cage, but I myself was threatened with being put in a cage for 10 years for having cannabis in my trunk of my car. And uh, I just feel like anarchy aligns itself most with Christianity. The other thing, too, is that Jesus says, that we're now all brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's not saying that there's some dad figure. Mm. Whereas Christianity, or sorry, govern, government is kind of the parental mm-hmm. figure often in people's lives. Like and big uh, brother, but it could be big father. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's a good point. And uh, so, yeah, I guess, why is it we don't see more Christian anarchists? Uh, there was uh, Leo Tolstoy... Uh, who was a big anarchist uh, about a hundred years ago wrote a book called The Kingdom of God is Within You I believe is the name and uh, I don't know another quick thing is that so Constantine he's the first uh, major uh, head of a country that adopted Christianity the head of the Roman Empire it's my understanding that he became a Christian because he saw in a dream before this big battle a sign of a cross and he decided or maybe he saw it in the clouds but anyways he put this cross on his 
shields of his soldiers and on the swords, and then they were victorious, so he went all in. Uh, but he celebrated his victory by cutting the head off of the guy that he was uh, fighting against and parading it around town. And so the, these things aren't Christian, based on my understanding of Christianity. In the last podcast, we talked about how uh, being a Christian sometimes is just simply a, a identity thing mm-hmm. that people are like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Uh, but if you really get down to the nitty-gritty, it seems like the Bible advocates an anti-war policy, and we are in a, a country that is the most militaristic country mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the history of the yeah. world. Yeah. We spend more on the military than I think the next ten countries combined. Mm-hmm. And in all truth, not to bash, because I feel like we always go in this direction and I feel kind of shitty about it, but like not not to bash these people because I, my family is these people and I love these people. But in all truth, conservatives even more so, evangelicals even more so, are about blindly supporting war and, and infrastructure that supports. You know, like it's they, they they go hand in hand, and like you're saying, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, and I, it doesn't make sense to us because we, and I know because I have family too that's conservative. I feel like we stopped drinking the Kool-Aid, so to say. Like, mm-hmm. we've actually taken a step back to be like, what do I believe? What do I do? I not believe? And a lot of people are scared. Like, to me, there's some days where I have to sit back. I'm like, do I believe in God? Do I believe in Jesus? Do I believe in hell? I go through a list in my head. I'm like, what are these things that I believe and don't believe? And a lot of people who, quote, unquote, call themselves Christians, they don't even want those questions don't even go through their head. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like, kind of going back to Curtis, why I, I do think what you're saying is absolutely on point, where when you when Jesus talks about government, like, I hate it, especially with this last election, when people are like, oh, you know, Romans 1 says, oh, obey the government. Well, yeah, it does say obey the government, but Jesus also says, that was Paul talking first, and Paul, if we knew what happened with Paul, he was Saul, who worked for the quote-unquote government mm-hmm. before he got converted. But I think, like, Jesus, in a lot of ways, the way I read Scripture, and that's just me, but I feel like he mocks the government in many ways. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, oh, you, you know, taxes, you know, because people are like, oh, taxes, taxes. He was like, yeah, Caesar's face is on this coin, so give it to Caesar. Like, being like... The guy put his freaking face on it. He says he's God. He's not given that. So, you know, people are like, well, see, he says that in the Bible. And I'm like, but you have to understand the layers, the complexity, the, the hermeneutical, yeah, the hermeneutics of it, where when Jesus was speaking of government and the hierarchical part of government, which kind of even goes down into church, especially within our politics, we can see that Jesus mocks it. I mean, not just makes fun of it, but mocks it and is like, this is not what I want my kingdom to be. And so I think what you're hitting on is I think going to catch, maybe I would say, and I agree, anarchy should be the way we go. But I think right now what you're seeing is at least you're seeing socialism or like democratic socialism. You yeah. saw with Bernie and other people. I think that's going to start first invading into the church, maybe not evangelicalism, but I think it will start more progressive, more liberal denominations. But that could, in 10 years, 20 years, segue into maybe anarchy or anarchism. I don't know, but I do think 
right now we're seeing, at least with like Bernie Kratz, what you saw in the last election, or even this kind of you hear now the blue wave maybe happening in the midterms, where a lot of these states that voted red are really fed up with what's happened politically, and it's this blue wave. So maybe we're seeing Christians, younger Christians, riding in on, on quote-unquote socialism, a new brand of socialism, a democratic socialism. But maybe, like I said, that can give way or will give way to um, anarchy or anarchism. I know that might be kind yeah. of out there, but that's kind of what was going through my head. Well, that makes me, me wonder, Curtis, um, is there more overlap in theory with anarchism and socialism or anarchism and like libertarianism because it sounds like in anarchism if you're if your um, sect or if you know if your group of your tribe decides they want to be you know super conservative or super social you know, or uh, you know super liberal or whatever it is then then that's up to you you choose that and that sounds to me like it maybe overlaps a little bit with libertarianism like kind of live and let live sort of thing like you were saying yeah um I'm familiar with two separate types of anarchism, uh, and actually I know different communities in town that are parts of both. Oh. Uh, so the one vein is more of the uh, anarcho-capitalists, okay. and they are more of the libertarian uh, side, and so I actually met them, ironically, uh, by going to a lot of Ron Paul for president uh, events, yeah. and they decided to ditch the anarchy thing just to try to get him mm-hmm. elected president yeah. uh-huh. uh, but then after that after he didn't win the uh, the primary or whatever it is right. uh, he decided or all these guys decided to leave politics completely I see and uh, just simply focus on what they call uh, agorism so the concept of the ag- agora which is just uh, marketplace related stuff so uh, they, they'd be people that are big into like cryptocurrency or gold uh-huh. or silver, bartering, uh, starting up companies, um, doing things on the black market, things of that sort. Uh, so the other group, though, would be more of the uh, like anarcho, uh, what's the term? Um, like the left-leaning yeah, right. uh, anarchists. Mm-hmm. And so those people would be more uh, like focused on saving the the planet or going after humongous mm-hmm. corporations and you know some of them will go do this black block thing and break windows uh-huh. you know others are peaceful and and nonviolent and and also right. don't aren't into uh, destroying property uh-huh. but they just simply want to not have a government but have things be socially tolerant uh-huh. and do they have common ground in that like like okay, it's cool if you guys want to be more more liberal anarchists because that that's like the essence of anarchy is like letting people do letting almost like the invisible hand like I don't know, like in, in economics like just letting the invisible hand shape things and if something works it works if it doesn't it's broken and it doesn't work you know like is that is that a fair like would they all agree with each other at the the premise of of what they're doing or would they? Would they disagree in even like how they define their terms? Well, I would say that because all these groups are made up of humans, they're probably not going to agree yeah. on anything across the board, mm-hmm. including like 
oh, the capitalist uh, anarchists, you know, should just allow the other guys mm-hmm. and, or vice versa. Like, there's a lot of anarchists, anarchists that are against capitalism. Yeah. And so they prob- they don't get along mm-hmm. that well. Okay. okay. Even though they both consider themselves anarchists. Okay. Could you, in three minutes or less, could you convince me that Jesus was an anarchist? Hmm. Well, uh, I don't know so much about Jesus as a historical person. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, the, however, the, myth, the mythological Jesus. Yeah. So, well, the one big argument I would say is, at the time, Julius Caesar, was it Julius or who was the... There's some Caesar. The Caesar at the yeah. time mm-hmm. was the uh, son of God. That was the title right. that was given to Caesar. And... Jesus himself or his disciples obviously took on that moniker. Right. And so, in essence, that's a pretty, uh, I would say, kind of anarchist play. Yeah. Where you're saying, oh, well, you, the, the head of this entire empire, which takes over, you know, large parts of Europe, Africa, and the Middle East, you're uh, not the son of God, Caesar. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, yeah. this dude that was born in a barn... Uh, that's from a town that nobody knows. Like, that's God. Or Son of mm-hmm. God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that's like... That's good. It, if it wasn't that Jesus himself was an anarchist, I could see a bunch of anarchists or anti-empire people uh, joining Christianity because it provides pretty good cover because right. they're kind of against the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the uh, alleged historical Jesus himself... Being an anarchist, um, I would just simply say, like, I, I don't know. I, I guess yeah, maybe you guys have ideas. I never met the one. guy. I, <laughs> I think you guys were BFFs. What? The historical Jesus. I mean, for me, Jesus as, as a character, yeah. as, you know, I've talked about this all the time, but, like, as an idea, as a concept, is much more important to me than... The fanfic. Some do- yeah, yeah. The stories. The character, the mythology. Well, no one has met, no one in this room, no one's alive, or unless they were in the biblical times, know what, know who Jesus was. Of course, if, yeah. You know, because I have to correct people all the time, you know, when they, you know, some family members that will be like, oh, well, I know Jesus, blah, 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 or I know, or, you know, they, they'll speak these truth statements. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you don't know. None of us know. It's called faith for a reason. We have faith that we believe in this. We have, you know, you know, whatever. But like Josh has said a lot, like you, you know, Caleb has said, the idea, the concept, the teaching. Like mm-hmm. when I tell people, like when I preached on Sunday, I, I and correct me if I'm wrong, man, but I never said like Jesus this or God said this. But I said the teachings Jesus said, mm-hmm. and I was I was particular in saying that because I was like, I, I I didn't say what Jesus was this true person who walked. I'm like. We as Christians, we're supposed to mimic Jesus' teachings. And I can go, go on a rap trail, but kind of just reiterating what you were saying is the idea and the concept of Jesus' teachings, yeah. I think, is mm-hmm. more what, mm-hmm. especially us people who have been disgruntled, who've grown up in the church somewhat, yeah. we're, we're more being like, let's mm-hmm. cut the bullshit of right. all this other stuff yes. and let's get to what the teachings of Jesus yeah. was. Because we're not Paulites, we're not. You know, Peterites or Davidites. You mm-hmm. know, not saying that those people didn't, you know, have important things to say, but they're not Jesus. 
yeah. or, or attributed the I feel like it's less about taking direct orders of the words of Christ from the Bible or like you said Paul anyone else in the Bible direct orders and more about what you can learn from it because I mean even as as children were to- told stories you know fables fairy tales and things like that and it's not sometimes it's just you know just something to to tell you that's a fun story to listen to but there's always a meaning behind yes. it and it's something you know that you can learn like before everyone came over we were watching the newer version of Beauty and the Beast and of course that story never happened but there's things that you can learn from it just like totally. any other story so it's more about what you can get from it yeah totally it's like I'm sorry no, go ahead. I, I've been talking a lot. It's like, uh, what you said, Amanda, just resonated with me because I've been thinking, like, what if you taught Aesop's fables as a kid? Like, for me, mm-hmm. that was a really big thing. Yeah. And it's like, you find out oh, the tortoise and the hare didn't really have a race. And you gotta, like, throw out the story. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys. Like, let's just learn something from these stories. Like, it doesn't have to be in the history book. But yeah. Go ahead. Um, well, I wanted to kind of jump maybe turn a page or like go to the next bullet point or whatever but I wanted to step back real quick and and say something about you were Brian you mentioned that passage in Romans where it's like listen to the government I heard a really uh, just recently I heard a really good interpretation of that passage which kind of like reframed it for me and made me feel a lot more comfortable with it Um, talking about how Paul would have known that that letter on its way to the Romans would have been intercepted and read and he knew that if he was like saying be anarchists like that letter would never get to his intended audience so they I forget who this was but they're saying basically it's a tongue in cheek kind of obey the government like he put that in there so that whoever was checking and be like oh yeah this is good he's kind telling, of cryptic he's yeah. like telling the yeah. church to obey Ro- like Rome yeah, awesome very, here pass it on cryptic, yeah. but like they would have known that like that was kind of like a code phrase or just like like being sarcastic as a way mm-hmm. to like give them cover to make it look because if you read it in context in the rest of that passage it's like wait it, a, a minute ago you were saying something that doesn't sound like you would have been on board but like that was a little more cryptic, but like the mm. obey the government would have like stood out in bold letters to anyone who would have seen it would be like, oh yeah, this is okay, kind of thing. So that was a, I just kind of want to bring yeah, that up because no, that's, that's a good, I, that's a good interpretation. Um, also, so thinking about anarchy, one one possible parallel. I've got a couple things that we can kind of flesh out. One possible parallel to Christianity is that like thinking about how it would work practically. I, I think. Are there, are there just way too many people in the world for anarchy to be a viable option? Because you'd end up having all of these little tribes, and inevitably you'd have tribes that disagree with each other, and then it would break out in war, or like someone would develop some sort of military, and I think just by human nature, it would develop into, like, we might not have a monarchy or a democracy, but if you break that down, like a hypothetical situation where all the government is wiped out like walking dead or like some post-apocalyptic thing. I think it's inevitable due to human nature that there might be some people who are like, perfect, now we can have anarchy. I think there are other people that are like, perfect, now I can be in control and like rule people. And I think that it's inevitable for that to happen. So is it 
And you were saying something earlier, kind of like on the libertarian bend of like live and let live. Is it that anarchy has to be from the bottom up and not the top down, kind of by definition, because there isn't like a monarch? And if that's the case, could it end up being that anarchy would promote divisiveness mm-hmm. and exclusion? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, we've got a white tribe. We're a white anarchist. We don't want any black people. Like that would turn into something dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, it, so I guess kind of my questions or topics are, are there too many people for anarchy to work mm-hmm. and would it lead to divisive exclusion? Yeah. And I, I think too, I, I totally hear what you're saying and, and kind of expanding on that, I think maybe this is even what you were saying, maybe I'm just rephrasing it, but like, would, would it not also, would it not have to like imperatively lead to a new government, but then, you know, because people, the strongest people are going to subjugate the weaker people Yeah, and like, uh, well, is anarchy only a transitional thing? And also, is it is it exclusively a reaction to government? Like, if there never were government, you know, it's like it's like the post Christian thing. Like we were saying, are we in a post Christian nation? Well, like maybe we're in. An, w- without Christianity, you can't have post Christianity. So, is it true that without government, you can't have anarchy? Uh, yeah, probably. It probably is a reaction to government Mm. Uh, however I mean probably remote tribes in you know some places operate in kind of a yeah it would just be their thing like they wouldn't even call it anarchy because that's a reaction to like you said monarchy or Mm -hmm. or whatever but would that be the case because it is just like a tribal culture where you might have a village with a hundred people there's Mm -hmm. no need for like Socialism. Democrats and yeah. Republicans. Like right. you, you've got a hundred people, and it's like, okay, well, how how many fish and birds can we catch today to feed everyone? Yeah, and I guess that gets back to your too many people question, which is, if the tribe is only a hundred people, can our anarchy work in that scenario, but not in scenarios where it's a country of three hundred mm-hmm. million people? And that very well could be the case. I think that any sort of large scale deployment of anarchy would require there to be a lot of federation amongst small units that are all communicating with one another. So uh, I think because of the dawn of the blockchain, we have this all solved. We can just get rid of governments now. Now this is kind of a joke. Blockchain said it takes everything. But yeah. Um, So yeah, the question about this divisive exclusion uh, in this sort of structure is an important one. And I think the it's obviously a natural trend for humans to tend to group with people that are similar to them. Uh, I think there was a a study that came out uh, related to like bowling groups that brought this point across. Uh, where in in neighborhoods where there's a lot of cultural diversity, there just tends to be less like bowling league participants. And that was thought to mean, like, people don't get out as much. They kind of stay mm-hmm. home and watch TV more because the people that live around them are, look differently. And that's not a good thing to hear about human nature being that sort of way, where if you live in a more culturally diverse neighborhood, you're probably going to stay at home inside more often. Yeah. Uh, but it, it happens. And it, I think yeah. it's important for individuals to recognize that 
trend in themselves and also for communities to recognize that trend and to be intentional to try to change that sort of behavior. And I think that would be what would be required in an anarchist-structured uh, civilization because really when it gets down to it, it's, it's not really breaking people up based on uh, imaginary lines of borders of countries anymore. It's breaking people up down to the, the individual and because of that, the individual needs to be more responsible and they need to educate themselves, take care of their own problems. And that's scary for a lot of people. It's like, who would build the roads? Well, we're going to have to all get together and figure mm-hmm. that out. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then on the small term, uh, like you were saying, Brian, about local neighborhoods, like who's going to fix the pothole out front? All right, do we need to call someone for this? Or do, do we know a neighbor... They know how to fill potholes, and we'll just go take care of it real quick on a Saturday afternoon. Can know how to paint and make it local. Yeah, and so uh, there's definitely a big push towards mutual aid and solidarity when things move more anarchists, and the hope would be that people would just step up and do their part, and not just hope that some external agency or entity will come in and, and yeah. fix the problem on their behalf. And um, I see yeah. parallels there with a few different like um, kind of governmental theories across the board. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, because like yeah. in Marxism the idea is it's almost anar- anarchical whatever the adjective form of anarchy is. is Anarchist? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anarcho? I, to, I wanted to end it with an L, so I tried. Anarchical. Anarchistal. Uh, Antarctical. <laughs> it's almost like Antarctica. It reminds me a lot of that. In Antarctica. <laughs> yeah. So that's why don't we just move to Antarctica? What the there fuck? you go. There's anyway, no government there. Like I was saying. <laughs> what the fuck was I saying? Oh yeah. Marxism. So yeah, like Marxism. <laughs> you. It's like you were saying with volunteerism. Like you. You almost have to rewire the human psyche for Marxism to work. You have... I mean, that is what it is. That's why communism never works is because you can't convince people, oh, we need to operate differently. Our, our, you know, our modus operandi is is different now. But... And it also reminds me a little bit of libertarianism because I I was libertarian for a really long time. I'm still registered libertarian, but I'd say I'm a socially... Very, very socially progressive libertarian. And I, I like libertarianism because, like you said... It's you're not forcing like church. You know, I, I would prefer churches and charities and private organizations to provide the things that I like about socialism and about you know because I, I voted. I don't know. I vote Democrat. I vote Libertarian. I'm. I think I voted Republican once when I was like 18. You guys, I'm sorry about that. Have you ever not, have you ever not voted though? No, I've always voted. Okay, I know that you. I was just curious. But you've been in politics. Yeah. Yeah. You don't vote? I haven't been voting, but I... The trend has been, if I'm on the ballot myself, then I'll go vote for myself. Right. But... He's serious. He's right. (laughs) Yeah, I ran for Minneapolis mayor, and I ran for state house of representatives. Wow. Yeah. But I feel like I want all of the... Effects of socialism. I want, you know, obviously health care programs for people who are down and out. Like, duh, Jesus, hello. Like, come on. But the thing is, I 
that's where the libertarianism kind of comes in for me is I don't want the government to have to make us do it, but it's like maybe that's the only option. Like, are people going to just decide to tithe, like, 50% if they can afford it, or, like, are charities going to step the fuck up? Are people going to take a pay cut so they can work for a charity and step up? Yeah, like, or just stop paying your taxes and give the money to the charity. Yeah, just instead. give it straight. Yeah, exactly. Then, And I think that's kind of, that's the rub, is, like, I think we all, not all of us, but maybe all of us here want the same thing. We want, you know, to, to help people who need help. But it's like, how do we get there? Do we make laws so that you get thrown in jail if you don't if you don't help people? It's like, no, well, then you're you're pulling teeth, you know, and you don't really want that money, honestly. I think it's a governmental system, not we, but we as a country, we as the ancestors before any of us who are here put in place, and we've never pushed that to the brink of seeing something new. Like, I don't want to pay my tax. I mean, there's something I think taxes are good for, like fixing roads. We live in Minnesota. We have hellish roads, especially after winter. I want to drive my car on a decent road on the way to work. I don't want to have to keep hitting potholes. Education, you know, like my nieces are in school. My daughter's going to be in school in a couple years. I want my schools to be safe for my kids, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, some of our tax money do go to charities. We should be putting more of our own money into charity but I do think we as just Americans sort of broadly speaking we could have maybe switched it decades ago or even a century ago and we're like man it just makes sense to us I mean you talk to people about politics now either people are passionate are in the middle of the road or they just don't care and I feel like that's with a lot of things. Like, should I give to the poor? Mm, yeah. Or there's people who don't, or there's people who are really passionate mm, yeah. about it. Um, do I... And we're one of the only major countries in the world, like first world countries, that only have a two-party system. Mm-hmm. Most Sucks. other countries have many parties. I mean, look at Britain, for crying out loud. And I has always baffled me where it's always been to the Republicans and the Democrats, Libertarian, Green Party, whoever, whatever other party, like, they get laughed off the ballot. Yeah, yeah. independents, they get laughed off the ballot. Local yeah. level, it might be different, but, because there's independents who have run in the in the cities here for th- certain things and have won. I mean, Jesse Ventura, for instance, for the governor, he was independent. Jesse Ventura. And maybe it helped that he had a little bit of an entertainment background, but anyway... But we're one of the only countries in the world that, you know, Republican or Democrat, that's all you can be. And it just baffles my mind. You know, like my best friend is over, lives over in Switzerland, and he grew up here, and he just looks at our politics, and he's like, it's so different here in Europe. It's just completely different. Where they look at us, and they're like, for you guys being so forward-thinking, when it comes to your politics, you're so ass-backwards, because we are. Right. And I mean, I don't know, I know it could go on a tangent, but that's just, I've always struck me, at least politically, how we think we're so forward-thinking in a lot of ways, but we're really not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think something that I learned recently that blew me away was that the average lifespan of a government's constitution, anyone want to take a guess? 
So ours is what, like two hundred and fifty years old? Yeah. The average? The average lifespan of one hundred twenty. It's gotta be way less. So two thousand seventy-six. It'll be three hundred years. I'd say twenty years. Seventeen. Seventeen years. Wow, Hannah. Isn't what did that you say, Fifteen. Isn't nice. that crazy? We've had our constitution, and sure, there's been amendments to it. We've had our constitution for almost three hundred years. Are we the winners right now? Are we? The <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. We yeah. yeah. it's the worst yeah. prize it's ever. It's the worst. Things change every day. Things change all the time. Why and it's we like have something stay the same. It's America, we get a participation medal. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's like me. But no, it's, no, America. <laughs> it's not all about you. Like, it's like, you. I, think, I think that there's so much, and particularly from the conservative side of the American people, I think there's so much of a like reverence for the Constitution. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it's scripture. It is. Yeah. And I think there's it's a, my there's second a amendment of, right to carry a gun. I think there's a lot of evangelicals <laughs> who if you if you really held their feet to the fire, they would care more about the Constitution than the scripture. Oh absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. I think Patriotism is yeah, it's, it's was written by a bunch of Christians that God Right. This is a Christian <laughs> Yeah. And I think that goes back to Constantine. So Constantine Yep signed the Edict of Milan in the year 313, which legalized Christianity. Said, Rome's not going to persecute Christians, you can be a Christian in Rome. Then in the year 380, Emperor Theodosius made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And so I think since 380, so 16, over 1600 years, I think that there's been this marriage of church and state, Christianity and government, Christianity and empire. And 1,600 years is a lot to come out of. Mm, And so I think that there's really good reason that that 1,600 years of tradition and mindset and culture and society has led to evangelical Christians in the U.S. having such a holding so tightly to our Constitution Mm. because there's just this crazy long history of these two things go together. Yeah. What Eric? What percentage would you guess? I don't, I don't know this number. But I'm curious your take. What percentage of evangelicals would you guess are conservative or at least registered Republicans? Um. So, so like people that. Identify as evangelical Christians. Yeah, they would check both the boxes: evangelical and, and Republican or conservative. Yeah. Um, I I'm leery of ever going over ninety with any estimate of anything, yeah. but probably close, probably eighties. <laughs> well, they I think it's higher. 90. Probably, no, I'd say like ninety. Yeah. I well, they did say with they did the analytics and stuff with the you know Trump, and they said eighty one percent. Of evangelicals who those are the evangelicals who are quote unquote evangelicals and are registered you know voters that eighty one percent of evangelicals cross racial lines voted for Trump and that to me is scary because that means and as someone in ministry and in church stuff it is you're not supposed to. Uh, advocate any sort of political yes from the pulpit from the pulpit that's you're, you're told no 
Like you're not supposed to do that. Who are you told? Who, sorry, who are you told no by? By by the higher ups. Like you're just In not supposed nomination? to do it. Well, you're supposed like it's kind of like an unwritten rule. You're not. You're supposed to say go out and vote. I don't know if it's like the the federal government or local governments. Like, oh, you can't sway someone like to vote Democrat or Republican. They they'll just say it's okay if you say hey you know election days on Tuesday go out and vote. You can say that, but you can't say go vote for Trump, go vote for Obama, go vote for whoever. You're not supposed. Is that enforced? To do that. Is that even real? I know I know what you're talking about. I, I don't know if it's enforced, but that is I, as someone who will be behind a public, I will say go and vote. I will you will never hear it out of my mouth. Go mm-hmm. vote for. But I, I think it's an IRS Pittsburgh. thing. I, it might be uh, an IRS thing. Non-profit? Yeah, because yeah, churches are non-profit, okay. and I think that's what it's going back to. Like, and so churches could lose their non-profit. Well, and actually, you'll hear this first, but I found this out on my church conference in the UCC. There's actually a federal lawsuit against, not, against all Christian denominations, because um, all Christian denominations are non-profit. Like, we're just non-profit. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, a lot of taxes that normal people would have to pay, pastors don't, and churches don't. But there's a federal lawsuit trying to take all that away. No way. That'd be massive. Because they're saying, why is it that pastors can get away with doing this, but me as a stay-at-home, you know, at-home employee is doing Mm -hmm. this, blah, blah, blah. So there's a, and they had one before and got struck down by the Supreme Court, but this one's actually gaining steam. And within the next two to five years, across the board, doesn't matter if you're a Baptist, Pentecostal, UCC, or a Lutheran, you're gonna you're gonna see the church hurt even more because they're gonna be pump, pump, pumping in more money mm-hmm. to that. Which whatever we feel about that, but that just kind of just shows a governmental <laughs> governmental reach into church. Yeah, look what you started is so huge. Can I ask you something, Brian, just real quick? Kind of playing off of what I what I was asking Eric earlier. What percentage of of UCC members do you think are conservative? Um, that varies because and the like, UCC is kind of a, the the UCC they're is autonomous. they're autonomous. They're, yeah, right. And if and so maybe that's not a fair question. To do a quick autonomous is our. Our national office is in Cleveland, Ohio. So, Cleveland, Cleveland. Ohio. Cleveland. Ho, 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 ho. Cleveland, Ohio. So, so Cleveland. Beer, 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 beer. Ohio. Sorry, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> Someone loves Cleveland. I'm, I'm from Ohio. <laughs> you are? Yeah. Nice. So, so <laughs> Cleveland, so our, our headquarters will say, this is what the national denomination believes. But since we're autonomous, like... My church that I'm a part of could say, yeah, we're behind it. We believe this. But some church in Podunk, Minnesota or Podunk, mm-hmm. Iowa could say, that's great, but we don't want yeah. we don't want to do that. Right. So in Minnesota, I forget, we have a hundred and some, My one of the pastors will kill me for this, but I want to say it's like 125, 135 mm-hmm. UCC churches. Yeah. I just know they're so and, progressive and like... But out of those a hundred and some churches... I would say maybe 50 to 60 are mm-hmm. open and affirming. Um, but a majority of those are in urban and suburban areas. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all of them. There's a lot of them in smaller towns that are popping mm-hmm. up. The reason 
the UCC is known as a more liberal denomination is because our national office, our national vocal, you know, board will say these are our views. But like, unlike like the tradition of man, and I grew up in the Assemblies of God, what the national headquarters is, all the churches mm-hmm. have to believe in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're very non-autonomous. So our denomination is very autonomous. Where like your church can do this, your church yeah. can do this. So I can't answer in good no, conscience that's what that's fair. M- the denomination as a whole. Right. I would say probably in more urban suburban areas, it's astronomically yeah that's low yeah for conservatives. Now, if you talked about small town Minnesota, you probably be mm. skewed the other way. Yeah, and it just got me thinking about it because you're saying how you can't advocate for one candidate or one party over the other but it's like if I see you preach in a UCC church I'm pretty sure I know when you say go vote I'm pretty sure I know the subtext that you you probably are not talking about Trump well yeah but there's no there's nothing wrong with a subtext I just can't vote no no yeah yeah that's, say, that's, I'm saying that's what I mean. Yeah, means. just so like if I go back to like any like Amanda's AG church sorry if I put them on the spot but if I go to the AG church and South Dakota yeah. or Iowa or or a Baptist church and they say go out and vote, I'm probably going to know their subtext exactly. yeah, yeah. of who they're going right. to tell me to go exactly. vote yeah. for, whether that, nationally or locally. Right. And that's what I'm thinking is like, is there really a difference? Is there really a line between a pastor saying abortion is wrong um, and like saying all this stuff that, that parallels a certain political party and then saying go vote? But they actually didn't say the phrase "go vote for Trump." Like, what's in effect? Yeah. I know that like, it's just a law or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's probably well intended. But like, I'm just saying, in effect, if you're left there, like, we need to help each other. We need to help pay for people's health care who can't afford it. We need to do this and this and this. Please go vote. It's like, okay, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I know who they want me voting for. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. just two dots that didn't draw a line between. Exactly. Them. Yeah. What's, yeah. Yeah. I want to just throw this. This has been in my head, ruminating. And I think it's on on point, but Curtis, what you were saying about kind of tying it in solely to like a church Mm -hmm. or or the church itself, because I think we're kind of talking nationally, politically, all that, but within the church and what what I think about, not just in the church, but specifically a church or when people are like, let's start a church, let's do this. And what makes me suspect of anarchy ever possibly taking off within Christianity is because when people get together, what do they always do when a big group of people get together? They always have to nominate someone to lead them. Mm-hmm. Usually, not all the time, but usually. So if someone's like, let's start a church, you might have like 30 people like, yeah, let's do this. I don't want to lead it. 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 And then there goes to that one man or woman who are like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then they do it. And then if they leave, a lot of times the church falls apart or whatever. So I feel like it's so hard for the church just to get that kind of hierarchical pastoral, what do you call it, just a pastor or pastoral leadership. And instead of saying, okay, I am not a pastor Let's just all, look, we're in this together. Like, you, 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 you know, we're all in there. Like, let's split our money together. Let's, you know, like you were saying, let, let's, does someone know how to pave the street out there or a pothole? Who knows how to paint? Like, that, I think, is what we're supposed to do in a lot of ways God's called us to do. 
But I think a lot of us, especially in the church, when we're, we go to church, we're like, we don't want any idiot off the street just preaching from the pulpit. We want someone who knows their stuff, mm-hmm. isn't weird. And I don't think that that's bad, but I think we, in the church itself, in the four walls of the church, like on a Sunday service, that we're, what they're doing as a pastor itself, I feel like in a lot of ways, goes against having an anarchy kind of spirit. Definitely. And I don't think, but I don't think a pastor's, I think a pastor's a teacher and should, in a pastor, I was listening to a podcast today where they said actually a pastor literally is like a shepherd. We're not, where you don't have the 100% expertise, but we're shepherding you into being a better person. And I like that whole thing. But when you were talking about anarchy, it just kind of popped up into my head as someone who wants to preach, who wants to do that is by me even wanting to be a pastor kind of puts me at odds of and being I really like anarchy and the whole concept and theory behind it but that would put me totally (laughs) in a lot of ways against being someone who would dabble in kind of anarchical I want to say anarchical that's not even a word (laughs) in kind of an anarchistic we'll just say say that Someone tweeted us to tell us how to say it. I think it's it. just anarcho. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's the word. Anarcho. Anarcho. That sounds um, pretty sweet. So here, so you're making me think of, you maybe had a, had a thought there. So if we are saying, let's, let's like start a, an anarchist group or what, like what were some of those words you're using for like. Uh, mutual aid, solidarity. Yeah, I don't know. I like don't a, know what like means. a federation or a, oh, yeah, a tribe or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to say, okay, that pothole needs to get fixed. Um, go grab some dirt and throw it in there. Or are we going to say, oh, there's a guy that does asphalt. Let's go talk to him. Right. right. So yeah. it's merit-based. Like yeah. who does what. Or if we say, let's pool our money and we'll have um, my six-year-old son take care of it and like do our budgeting. Or are we going to say, oh, we've got a, I've got a, I know a financial advisor who wants to be involved with us. He would be the person to take care of our money, right? Because it's like, that's who has the skill set and the motivation and wants to do it. Um, two kind of problems that I was thinking of is one, and maybe this kind of would go back to you were saying there's like capitalist anarchists. Like, how are you going to get people to do the un the unliking, like the unlikable jobs of like who's going to go pick up that deer roadkill out on the street or who's going to take out the garbage or who's going to you know bury someone like these jobs that maybe there's not anyone that's skilled enough or has the knowledge or desire or wants to do it then how are, how are those things going to get done secondly would we say we're going to fill all these roles merit-based by who has the skills and who wants to do it, except for the role of being a leader? Or would you have, like you were saying, like have a pastor or have like a... Like in in a corporation, you'd have like a project manager. Like if you've got an anarchist federation and you have like that role that's like project manager, it, to me, it seems like the natural progression would be that there would be a person that would take charge and be like the leader so does that fit? Are, like, are we just kind of miss... And like, for me, am I just missing, like, having, like, a, my thought of what I think anarchy means and that would f- still fit and be anarchy with a leader? Or does that then negate 
what anarchy is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think this merit-based thing definitely uh, is important to think about. So, I mean, I tried to bring it up when talking about uh, Caleb and how you're fired as being a sound. Oh, right, right, no, right. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so someone that is a teacher... I'm going to pack up my microphones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so someone that's a teacher about a specific topic, like like you are saying, Brian, uh, you'd be the logical guy to do the education. Uh, also, uh, pastors are uh, a lot of the time doing stuff that's like... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like going to hospitals and things of that sort. Chaplaincy, kind chaplaincy, of stuff. Yeah. like like you did, and uh, and so that sort of role uh, would probably be done by the person that's best at doing it. And and yeah, I'm more on the anarcho-capitalist side of things. So I think that the market can fill in and solve a lot of problems that the government tries to solve themselves at the current time. Uh, but yeah, there is bound to be some error because you don't want to just fill up potholes with dirt because that's a bad solution. Next time it rains, you know, you're just going to have a big mud pile and, you know, damage some vehicles. Uh, but the hope that I have in my head is that we try to get away from the, the lockups that currently occur with intellectual property that perhaps we could say intellectual property, that's something uh, that should be able to be shared freely amongst everybody. So maybe there could be some very easy-to-read documentation uh, at, like, a local anarchist library or a bookshop where you could figure out how to do simple tasks and educate yourself with very little money involved. But then when you need to do something, you, you pay people for services or for actual physical goods. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I addressed all the questions you had. Did I? Well, like, it makes sense to take someone who's suited for a position, yeah. the best suited for a position, to take that position in an anarchist group. Yes. But I guess my question was... Is the idea to do that for every position except the leader? Oh, right. Like, if there's someone who's really well-suited to being a leader, and they just kind of come out as the natural leader, like, they're really good at like delegating, they're really good at saying, okay, yeah. let's put our money together and budget it, or you are the budgeter, you're the financial planner, you're the meal planner, and, like, if they, if there just naturally comes out, is that, like, no, 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 you have to stop doing that because that's not anarchy anymore, mm-hmm. or is it... That fits because everyone who's good at something is doing what they're good at, and you're a good leader, so you can be the leader. Like, do you, like, yeah, I get is it. See. Is that still anarchy? Yeah, that's, or, that's kind of what I was going through in my head. Right? Yeah, what you were saying it is, and I guess it goes with something else. I was thinking, like, kind of with Christianity, like, there's that verse. It's like, be in the world, but not of the world. So mm. you can live as a Christian. You can live in the world, but you don't have to like be part of that structure. So could anarchy exist within? the structure of democracy in America, but just not participate in all the ways that, like, a typical democratic person does. And so kind of anarchy can exist in the government but not be of the government. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, So I I definitely think that positions like organizer can be something where there's... Or there definitely are times where someone's way better at organizing... Than another person. So, from this merit-based mentality, uh, someone could become 
the organizer because everyone recognizes they're a good organizer. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that would fit within the bounds. And I should really say I'm not by any stretch of the imagination uh, super knowledgeable or an expert on anarchy. So I could be messing things up. <laughs> um, I'm trying my best to go with my working knowledge of it, though. Yeah. Curtis, but, uh, are, you, are you saying, sorry, just to clarify, are you saying that it would be less of a leader and more of an organizer? Like, um, it's not that they're above everybody else, it's just that their skill set or their merit, however, you know, yeah, that's their merit is organizing things. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. come down to an issue of power. Like, they wouldn't have exactly. more power than everyone else, but they just, just have a role delegate. They can, they're delegating, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the big issue of all of this is emphasizing that nobody is making decisions on someone else's behalf without mm-hmm. them consenting. consenting yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's, that's a good, good distinguisher. Yeah, because I think there is like even I'm like learning a lot about like what you're saying is or isn't or like the nuances of what mm-hmm. anarchy is because I think for a lot of people who don't have never researched or don't look into it, it's just kind of like anarchy equals. Like, just anarchy in the UK. Yeah, (laughs) I think a lot of people think anarchy is like, well, you just want chaos. You just want like everyone to do whatever they want and be selfish and like just me. Yeah, people think of burning cars. And so I think that that kind of thing. Yeah, if you take that to its logical conclusion, you'll end up with the purge and (laughs) just whatever. Like everyone will just be out for themselves, and you'll have like an apocalypse. Right. Whereas I, what you're talking about is much more nuanced and civil, and it's it's not chaos and everyone for themselves it's you know more it's yeah i think nuance. it's democracy is real honestly it's a republic well maybe more democracy than a republic but it's like it's people, a socialist it's yeah. a democratic socialism without a powerful leader it's it's <laughs> volu- voluntary democratic socialism maybe it's hard know. to call it democracy because there's a saying democracy is two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner Mm-hmm. So in anarchy, uh, everyone. Okay. Well, I guess it's how you define involved it. Involved would not be in favor of killing it's any, two, one it's of the three two guys. Two wolves, two Yeah. Yeah, so two wolves, two sheep, and then they. Who are all vegetarians. Yeah. <laughs> but does the blade of grass have a vote? Oh, see? There we go. Yeah, apparently when you kill plants, they cry, is what I heard recently. Can I ask you a question? That's what the do is. Yeah, what's up? Okay, so. To your main question, do you think that Christians who aren't Christians anymore would go for anarchy if they just knew what it was? Like, if you were explaining it like we're explaining it right now, civil, nice, it's whatever, do you think that they would lean more towards that instead of leaning more towards the left? I would say that there's a good chance that that's true. And I would say also that they've already gone through this crazy paradigm-shifting metamorphosis by becoming a post-Christian person. Right. So maybe they'd be more susceptible to being like, oh, I realized there wasn't a god, and now I realize the government is illegitimate and shouldn't exist either. <laughs> it all comes together now. Right. It's all <laughs> <laughs> See, that's interesting, because I was... And actually, we're in the stimulation. <laughs> I'm almost thinking if if there's someone who is, I mean, I I could conceive of someone who is like in that like deconstructed post-Christian kind of mindset where it's more of oh the Christianity that I was taught and brought up with is 
a sham or I don't agree with or it's manipulative or whatever. Like whatever the reasons are that you deconstructed the the evangelicalism, Protestantism, conservative, whatever you were raised with. I could easily also conceive of someone saying, I I have this new paradigm shift of what Christianity is. Jesus was, you know, this way and not that way. Jesus was for the poor, not the rich. He was mm-hmm. for sharing things, not for capitalism. He would be for anarchy, not government. And so you could be this, like, post-new, like, reconstructed Christian that mm-hmm. leans more towards anarchy and yeah. away from democracy. Yeah, honestly, I feel like I'm, I could see myself going there. I think I could get back in the Christian ballgame if we had some more yeah. anarchist communities around. And I think or, and that's you don't segue. have to even that's call yourself segue right. into segue. this. What's this? Um, which I don't know how long we. we I think this could We're be like a two parter. This could be We're a two parter. What do you got? True. Um, actually, I took a class in seminary for my doctoral work, and it was I forget the whole name, but we were talking about radical peoples, like radical theology or radical like men and women who have been in the ministry. And one of these books and one of the groups of people we talked about were the Berrigan brothers, uh, Daniel and Philip Berrigan. The Berrigan uh, same bears? <laughs> yes. The, the oh Berrigan. simulation theory. It's where they got their inspiration. Um, that it was two brothers. Um, one, one of them first became, I think it was Daniel, he became a Catholic priest, um, you know, went into the priesthood. His brother... Not so much. Went into World War Two, you know, served his time, and then his brother talked to him, being into the priesthood. But they were priests, so they were priests, and they were pastors in the church. But they were also very much um, anarchists hmm. against the government. Like they burnt in Vietnam, they were arrested many, many times for breaking into federal buildings, burning draft cards dousing it in blood you know all that kind of stuff saying like Jesus is what we are saying these these men did and how I got into understanding about anarchy was that Jaco little book we talked to off mic about anarchy so Christian anarchy really probably got its play late 50s post World War II post Korea and really kind of started gaining steam obviously with our atrocities in Nam. Um, and the Berrigans and like Jacques Ellul really kind of spoke at you can be a Christian you can be a pastor you can be someone who classifies himself as someone who believes in the teachings of Jesus and be totally against what the government says and does and operates so shameless plug read this book if you want to borrow it you can read it it's yeah, so pretty good disarmed and Dangerous. The Radical Lives and Times of Daniel and Philip Berrigan. Brothers in Religious Faith and Civil Disobedience. Yeah, I'll check it out. Wouldn't you, couldn't you say that, like, if we want to go back and look at, like, the real, like, OG Christian anarchists, wouldn't that just be the Christian church, like, the first three years? I know, right? Years? That's what I'm thinking, too, yeah. 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 Yeah, no, absolutely. And then where did we go after the first, the, after those 300 years? Into the last, we hopped in bed with the Roman Empire. The most yeah. ironic direction to go. Right. No, exactly. But then, but it's, and this could be more historical. It'd be a cool historical. I don't know. 
thing to study. But why is it kind of after you started seeing after World War One, at least in America, World War One, and then even more post World War Two, these terrible wars that decimated people all over the world and even our our men, is that we're starting to say like, hmm, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe this isn't what Jesus really taught us to do. But we as the church and our society silence those people. Most people, if you said this, even in a UCC church, you said these people's names, they wouldn't know who it was. You would say these people in most Catholic churches, even though they were Catholic priests, they wouldn't know who they were. Because they even they silenced them because what they did was, not only are we going to be Christians, not only are we going to give you the hope and message of Jesus, but we're also going to tell you everything you're preaching in church. Jesus didn't preach that. Jesus told you to give to the poor, give to the, you know, when you're, you know, angry at the poor, the desolate, the widow, the orphan, that's when you help them. Um, when they tell you to drop bombs on people, don't drop bombs on people. If they draft you to go into the military to kill people, burn your card and say no. Like, that's, yeah, that, that are like, stand up and, and do that. And that's why you don't hear that in church is because... The church and kind of what we were saying, the Roman government, we got into bed with them and we're saying to be a good Christian is to obey the government. Mm -hmm. And that's where we have our problem. Yeah, so go break the law, listeners. (laughs) Well, in an act of civil disobedience. Uh, Uh, Good good clarification, Ryan. Don't steal a car. Or, like, I think he said yes. But if you get drafted, which may be under this administration, uh, we might get drafted. Luckily, I hit 35, so I'm out. I'm in the clear. Oh, congrats. So, because in America, if you're 35 or older, you are not in the first wave of men to get drafted. Let's just let's just hold off a war for at least a year. And then, <laughs> when you're 18, and then go for yeah, it. 18, 18 to 34, you're the first wave. 35 to like 50 is the second wave. So I'm like, yes! I want to fight. Hot dang! That's the good thing about getting older. But then I think if you say that you're a pastor, you can get out of it too. Or if you have a disability. Oh, okay. Yeah, speaking of which... Um, well, one thing is we have a lot more drones now, so the need for the draft is a lot less. Yeah. And I think do you mean do you mean drones as in electronic flying things, drones. or drones as in people uh, who mindlessly join the military? Oh, 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 oh <laughs> um, they'll be here all night. Not really, just for a little bit longer. <laughs> no, you all have to leave very soon. Brian keeps asking me how far we're into the podcast. So obviously, we have to leave very soon. By ten. Let's just be honest, by 10. Yeah, I think when I was growing up, they even had a, a U.S. flag at my church. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. What is the Christian flag no. and the U.S. flag. Yes. Let's just bring that what up. What the Christian flag? I don't get that. Why, if we're supposed to be different than the rest of the, the world, quote-unquote, using scripture? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Do we have a fucking Christian flag? No, I this... I that. I... Who came up with the Christian flag? I went to... I, I got dragged along with some extended family to a church several years ago for a Memorial Day service. And it was a hot pile of garbage. (laughs) There was, like, the big screen, like, 
not only was there one American flag, there was like 20 American flags across the state. Jesus Christ. He wasn't there. No. <laughs> there was... Yeah, segue there was the big like video screen that was showing was like fighter jets flying by and like no. an eagle with the wavy flag and like the Star Spangled Banner was playing and they had just droves of military people all oh, in I there. I forgot this is on Memorial Day. I was yeah. like, this seems like a lot for a bunch of Right, no, it was Memorial Day. All these military people in their uniforms going up and everyone stands up and is like cheering and like Jeez. saluting. I was saluting? Yes. Everyone's saluting. I stayed sitting. I stayed sitting in my seat and my whole like family of in-laws was like looking at me like, why? Like you... And so, like, yeah, how so are you not burning? Did you, did you take a knee during so Amazing Grace? Did you no. <laughs> so I finally like stood up just to not cause like a bunch of drama and controversy. Yeah. But I just like stood there. I think I even I I had my arms folded, like my hands in my pockets or something, just to be like. But I was like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, this is like." It was just, and that's not a unique experience to happen right. in a church. It's not shocking. I wish it were more shocking. Yeah, I'm sure all of us in this room could probably attest to it some way or another. Yeah. At least having an American flag on stage. And when, and this is maybe a whole new conversation, this is maybe a whole other night, but like when did, and maybe we kind of touched on this, but I, I feel like I don't still understand it, but like when did uh, patriotism become so entangled with Christianity, or with conservative oh, Christianity? Yeah. I think that maybe there was a book uh, by Chris Hedges that called the... Christian right? I think it's a newer book. I've heard of it. But yeah. I don't know the answer to your question, but yeah. I think he we wrote should, about it. We should write a response book called The Christian Wrong. <laughs> oh, I think you're going to go with the left. Yeah. Well, he's a, a left-leaning Christian oh, person okay. writing about the Christian Got right it. and okay. how this all happened. Yeah, I, I mean, even, like, going back to what I was said earlier about how many conservative Christians, like, hold on to the Constitution as, right. like, yeah. sacred scripture... Mm-hmm. It lays out a whole bunch of stuff about separation of church and state, yeah. but it's like somehow that gets mi- or like missed, or just like that doesn't like gets conflated with freedom of religion right, or like right, something right. like I don't. How do you how do you read separation of church and state and then put an American flag in your church? Yeah, it, I wonder. Yeah, especially if you're worshiping the Constitution, identity tells you what to do we that. talked about yeah. before. Yeah. Like a couple well, that's what I'm wondering. Is it identity? That's what I'm identity. wondering too, Brian. Is it like a macro form of tribalism? I don't even know the right term for it. Like tribalism to where it's just like, oh, my tribe is right by default, and is that is that is that literally is it that one dimensional? There's like, probably if you were born, a part of it. If you were born in another nation and you had the same the same sequence of if then statements in your brain that causes you to think how you think, you would just be like, oh yeah, Russia's the shit. You know, like it. it I think so. This is a this is like a side little soapbox. I'll get on real quick. Okay. I think when people, whenever people use that, and it happens all the time. If you were born in another country, or if you were born uh, as a Muslim, or if you were born like right. this or that, yeah. like the issue I take with that is okay. Let's say that there's like some little sort of like soul gumball machine up in the sky that yeah. like spits out gumballs, and if you oh, happen to like pop into someone else. And it's like you have this innate personality. Mm-hmm. I think you are so much of your environment, and like, and especially being a dad and seeing my kids grow up and like mm. how they take on mannerisms, how they learn things, and nature it's like, and nurture sort of thing. Like, I don't think you could say if you were 
Russian, you'd have all of the exact same okay, beliefs sure, just sure. Yeah. Russia, because yeah. it's like you'd be a product of your environment, like sure. what you were grown up with. Sense, yeah. And so I think that there are obviously personality types where someone's more inclined to be a sheeple mm-hmm. or someone's more inclined yeah. to do this or that. But I think, yeah. going back to your point, I think that tribalism and identity play a massive role mm-hmm. in it because I think it's so easy for people to just say, I mean, especially with how saturated our society and culture and life is with everything yeah. from what are the Kardashians doing to how's my stock doing to what's this political... Like, there's so much. You don't right. have time to be invested in everything. Yeah. So if you just say, oh, well, this is my tribe and that means I'm conservative, I'm Republican, I don't have to think about mm-hmm. that. I can just do that. Yeah, and I can yeah. spend my time thinking about yeah. what I'm going to make for dinner, how I'm going to pay the mm-hmm. bills. How, like, I think yeah. that plays a, a really big part yeah. of it. I think that kind of helped me clarify my question a little bit more Maybe what I'm more so asking is what percentage – because I was I was born into a conservative evangelical environment. And so I just assumed that identity. Like we're talking about Same, identity. yeah. And so – but what percentage of people who are conservative evangelicals – and again, I'm not trying to hate on these people. But I'm just – I come from this and so I'm very familiar with it. What percentage of them chose that and what percentage were just born into it and never questioned it? Yeah. Like, I think that's probably staggering. I know that right. a lot of people go well, through, like, AA or, like, rehab, and then they find G- – or jail, they find Jesus. And that's good for them. That's great. That's awesome. But, like, I just feel like the majority of people in that camp, in that – again, that tribe, that's, I know it's a buzzword. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're born into it and just never questioned yeah. it. Probably a lot because the people who did question it, probably a lot of them aren't there anymore. Yes. Right. Yeah, we're all here. Yeah, we're all here. Yeah. So I think <laughs> I think I'm raising my hand. Really. I yeah. think by natural selection, a lot of them are the unquestioning. It's my identity thing. Where, a, if you looked at it more holistically, like if you included all the people who used to be that, uh-huh. your group would be a lot bigger. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of kind of related, but it's kind of like what Hannah was saying. Like we're all here. Because we're for the rest of our fucking lives, we're going to be trying to talk through the the trauma that we experienced. Being is it safe to say brainwashed? Is that is that too mean? I feel like I was brainwashed. Not all of us. Not all of us. Okay, I'll speak for myself then. I I will for the rest of my life. I'm going to be trying to untangle this this shit in my head that there's a sky, there's a man in the sky who's throwing lightning bolts down at me whenever I mess up. Like, yes. I'm not going to get away from masturbate. That. Yeah. I remember. Are we going to hear that story? Oh, gosh. The really? first time? We're going to go there? Here we go. No, I was just listening to a podcast <laughs> where they were saying how, the, you know, every time that you had some impure thought, like, if you touched yourself or you thought about, like, kissing someone that, like... Jesus. Was Jesus was, like... Picture was, Jesus. Literally, like, Jesus is about to, like, mm-hmm. all off and hit you. He came by the door that is, What Caleb was saying was, like, that's spiritual trauma. Yeah. Stuff's messed up, man. Well, the nice thing is, if it's hard, you know, now being, like, I'm all alone, there isn't actually God in the room, or, or you know, God doesn't listen to me, at the very least, we 
have the NSA listening to us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we're so someone's still at the very least. Yeah. Someone's still listening. Don't don't. We're all joking about anarchy. This is yeah. just all. <laughs> They're listening. I have a. a cam- I'm pointing to my laptop listener. Don't I have a camera don't. and microphone. They're watching us. And she listening listens to us right up now. there. That little white thing. Don't say her name because I don't want her to turn on. Alexa. But- <laughs> Seriously, but she can listen. Alexa, what's your name? My name is Alexa. Okay. I've heard it's not good to say that on podcasts because then anyone that's listening to this, <gasps> their device Alexa. goes off. Oh, uh, Alexa! I'm Alexa. Sorry, <laughs> Alexa. If they're, if they're listening to it like loud enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if they're listening, yeah, if they're listening to their podcast like at work. What if they're listening on their, their Alexa? Or they have the new Alexa Alexa like, implant yeah, where yeah. every time they I I hear saw it their um, headphones. Jimmy Kimmel on an episode ordered 500 cool noodles. Whoa. But over over the air, so that anyone, <laughs> so that anyone who had one of those things, like ordered, you got a bunch of blue noodles ordered. Oh no! Uh, that is pretty funny. <laughs> Alexa, off. <laughs> I think we're good. Oh my gosh! So you want to wrap it up? Thanks, Kayla, for turning her on. I, I have that effect on everyone, bro. AI, human. <laughs> Stop taking your head. <laughs> a human AI? Oh, yeah. My um, favorite. <laughs> I think it was a good conversation. Curtis, I'm going to leave it up to you. Do, you. do you think we should talk about maybe even more? Like, we could do it in, like, a two weeks. I think it's a very fascinating topic. I mean, because I, I think we only touch the surface of it. If we don't want to, we don't have to. We can think of something else, but I'll yeah. leave it up to you if you want to do that because I think you are you have some fascinating conversations and insights into um, anarchy. Because part of the whole podcast, what we came up with is questions you're too afraid to ask in church. And I don't think there's any church right now wanting to deal with Christianity and anarchy or dealing with, you know, what we've been talking about on every level. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, should we talk about this in two weeks or should we talk more tonight? In two weeks. Yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to. Just because I want to go to bed soon because I have to be up. That's cool. At the crack of dawn. Are you looking at our date chart? Yeah, I love this. This is a great idea. They have a jar full of date ideas. And I love that. Under, under certain amounts of money because they're color-coded... So, so if you're uh, broke, that is great. Or broke nice. and have no babysitter, I think that then was a Pinterest thing. That, Pinterest that is so cute. I love yes. that. So walk around a lake or play. A yeah, game. I saw ice skating in there. That's great. Naked Twister. I'm just kidding. It's not in there. I don't <laughs> want to think it is. Um, well, so let's oh, to let me plug before we do recommendations. Should should I uh, co-release the Barry Taylor? Sure. So uh, if you're hearing this. Within a week afterward, I'll have an interview with uh, Barry Taylor for uh, one of our kind of uh, inter. What do you call it? Whenever we're on, our, on our off weeks, because we only do the group thing every two weeks, so we'll have a interview. Off we'll have a bonus. Yeah, we'll have a bonus episode essentially. Of we interviewing Barry Taylor. So. Recommendations? Yeah, who wants to do recommendations? Who wants to start? I have one that's very on on topic. I want to plug uh, 
anarchist politicians and non-theist pastors. <laughs> Any in particular? No, or? just in general. I was waiting for like, is there a non-theist pastor? And it was like crickets, like. It's me, you idiot. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say it. You're just dragging us along. I'm, I'm plugging Curtis and myself. Can I say mine? Yeah. I recommend cornbread. We have the best cornbread stand. Josh, who's not here tonight, we, we volunteered to <laughs> We got some cornbread. It was, it was fucking, it was cake. It was Oh, which, by the way, we still have dessert to eat afterwards. Thank you, Kaylee. So cornbread. That was a good recommendation. Simple and Oh, I have to put that was that was delicious. Corn. Right. <laughs> like delicious. Like delectable cornbread. It was probably the best cornbread I've ever had. That does sound good. I have a recommendation. No, you're right. You're right. You're so there's a couple shows that Brian and I have been watching. I think are you wanting to recommend? <laughs> no, go for it. I okay. think I know what you're doing. Um one is more serious, one is not as serious. I won't give any spoilers because I just had the season finale, which Brian and I were both happy with it. But the show Making It, is it, we watch it on Hulu, but is it NBC? Yes. It has Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler, which if you, the host, so if you have seen Parks and Rec, seen them together, like how you see them in that show, I feel like you see that relationship in Making It, and you just want to hang out with them in real life. I second that. I've only watched the first. But two yeah, episodes, it's so. it's very good. So they have like these makers and different challenges, different different mediums people work with. Whether it's fabric, paper, felt, woodworking, they have different themes, and then you know it builds up to a grand finale for the grand maker. And it is a very good show. And I think they even say it in the show, but one of the main things is uh, these makers that they have to. Uh, to get their work out there and, you know, give them more opportunities to do the things they love, but to inspire people to make something. So if you're very creative or you don't know if you're creative, go and find out. You may fail miserably. Um, I think of myself as a creative person, and we legitimately have a home video of me making a purse out of a metal hanger and wrapping paper and I give like half hour step by step instructions (laughs) it's very boring and probably the worst thought out craft idea but you have to start somewhere so you're also how old uh probably about six or seven so So it wasn't like last year I was gonna say say, we didn't record that one Brian (laughs) so yes go out and uh express your creative side that's a good one What's the other one? You have another show and you said you were going to... Oh, no, I, I left that for you in case oh. you wanted to. Well, okay. I didn't want to be a recommendations hog. Hot dang. Um, I'm going to do two. Uh, if anybody knows me or who listens, I like to recommend TV shows because I watch the you-know-what out of TV shows. <laughs> Netflix! Netflix, I will say this. Netflix in the last six months to a year have stepped up their game. Mm-hmm. For a while, oh, yeah. they were a hot mess. Totally. Nothing was coming out that was good. And now I would say probably this whole year it's like I like Netflix is amazing, better than Hulu. Hulu's good yeah. because they come out with like old T V shows and like Dust Grader, like shows that are like on NBC or ABC they're, they're yeah, they have criteria movies. Yes. But so the one show actually this one show is actually on Hulu. Um, but if you like horror, psychological horror 
watch the show. Do yourself a favor. Just get a seven-day subscription. Binge watch. And binge watch Castle Rock. Uh, it's executive produced by J.J. Abrams from Lost um, and two other guys, but it's it's in the Stephen King universe. So they take characters, themes, and ideas from a whole hodgepodge of Stephen King characters from books and novellas, and they're it's and they got Stephen King's blessing. He said yeah to make it, and episode nine just happened. And blew my mind. Both Amanda and I um, were just like, "What?" Mm. It was so good. So mm-hmm. if you like really deep, thought-provoking, it's like sci-fi, horror, psychological, all that wrapped up into a thing is wonderful. The other one mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend, and do yourself a favor, um, don't go to bed right after you watch it because it's intense. Watch the show on Netflix, Ozark. Oh yeah, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. You think of him as a, like more of a comedic, the comic actor. Comic yeah. actor. He's in a lot of funny kind of movies. That's how he got to start. He. This is his show. Like he created it. He directs it. Freaking dark is all get out. Deals with drugs, money laundering, mm-hmm. cartels, uh, family life. Um, if you're not okay with the fuck word, don't listen. <laughs> don't watch it. But you um, probably wouldn't be listening to our podcast yeah. anyway. Exactly. I'm just saying. We never fucking cuss. No, not, not fucking at all. <laughs> um, so watch those two shows because they will blow your mind and you will want to tweet at us and say thank you for telling me to watch that because both those shows are wonderful. This episode brought to you by Netflix. <laughs> and Hulu. <laughs> we wish, right? Yeah, right. Um, mine, I'm... It's funny that you brought up making it, because mm-hmm. my recommendation, I think, is the inspiration for making it, mm. which is The Great British Bake Off, mm. which is also on Netflix, Great which choice. is fantastic. Which I want to watch. It just watch. makes it just makes you happy every time. Um, the, the big thing that's different that I was a little disappointed with about making it, but I understand because it's on a network with commercials and we're America and everyone has to get a big money prize. But Great British Bake Off is the same format as making it. They they start out with 12 bakers, amateur bakers, and each week there's like challenges and each week someone gets eliminated. Um, but the winner at the end, their big prize is like a an engraved platter that says that they won. Like there's no money, there's no like endorsement or anything. It's just like legitimate people who like baking and so you, you have this like really great camaraderie everyone becomes really good friends and the stuff they bake is outstanding looking and then all the recipes are online and stuff but it's it's a great oh, cool. it's a great show any more recommendations Did you have yeah well I was just going to quickly say uh, there's one guy that I know is making the rounds on some different podcasts right now uh, talking about Christianity and anarchy uh, he was the lead singer from a band called 90 Pound Wuss, which was a Christian pop oh, yeah. band Jeff in, Suffering. The, in the 90s. Yeah, Jeff <laughs> Suffering. Uh, he was like a deacon or something at uh, Mars Hill. He was. Oh, yeah. and, really? Uh, With Mark Driscoll. Yeah. Oh, and no. so Was. Was. Well, I know. But yeah. And that kind of so burned him, uh, and he's now getting back into his anarchist roots because under when he was at that church, it was very hierarchical and not good. So he's been going around on different podcasts talking about his experiences at that church 
and also his uh, take on Christianity and, and anarchy. What podcast? I don't want to listen yeah. to one of them. Uh, I don't recall. Uh, but yeah, Jay Suffering is his stage name, but his real name is Jeff Betger. Yep. So if you look up Jeff Betger well, no, podcast or that. anarchy you should be able to find it previously. And listen to 90 Pound West because they were awesome. Yeah, I listened yeah, to them and, too. And his new band <laughs> is called Dry Bones, D-R-Y-B-N-Z. And uh, you can find them on Bandcamp. Cool. I'm trying to think of stuff and I, I can't think of anything. Can you uh, recommend your good dessert that you yeah, bought? Yeah, well, it's a box mix from Trader Joe's, but it's the gluten free pumpkin bars. I'm sure that it's amazing. I have not tried it, so I'm hoping that we're about to. So let's do so this. Well, we're about to, so I'm hoping that that will be turn out really good. So. Well, until the next two weeks, I think we're out. Oh, it's me, Jesse Ventura. I'd like to recommend. Hanging out with Alex Jones and finding people in Bilderberg because we followed Hillary Clinton back home last night and Alex said, I think that I know what she's doing. So I creeped up in her window and looked in there and sure enough, she was sucking off Obama. Are we done? A post-Christian production.